Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Tasting Anarchy. The show is recording and we actually heard the intro this time. So oh yeah, the one we I, intended to play. <laughs> right, exactly. I think that we're going to have a technically successful episode this yes. episode because... Yes. I have so far <laughs> succeeded. Uh, so uh, this week, uh, you know, I didn't really prepare a huge amount for the show. I was I was kind of busy, and and you were kind of busy too. So I got one article that I wanted to go over, and I figured we would just kind of shoot the shit a little bit for yeah. you know forty five minutes or so, and see how yeah. things are going. So before I get to the article, what are you sipping on tonight? So I had the twenty sixteen Sea Monster Eclectic White Blend. So this is a very unique blend because the blend is uh, Vignet, Riesling, uh, Grenache Blanc, Gewürztraminer, um, and a touch of Chardonnay. So it comes in about 13.8% alcohol by volume. Um, like To me, it smelled like three different white wines. My wife really smelled uh, like green apple in it. Um, it was very pale golden color, like very good, like just the perfect pale gold. Um as bright with light acidity, there's definitely fruit flavor in it. Um, but to me, because of all of the different, like you could really kind of see like the sweetness from the first demeanor and like some of the interestingness from the Riesling. Um, my wife got like a lot of green apple in it. It had like a really long finish and what was weird. And it may have just been the, like what we had been eating the last couple of days. Like I'd be sitting there and I would kind of like, coalesce like the spit in my mouth to like swallow or something and i would get like a hint of corn oh interesting. <laughs> and it, like not in a bad way it was just odd and then um you know the mouth feels like it's really slippery which was interesting like for a white um i got it as part of a group on my parents got me um i don't know the name of the company who did this group on off to look it up for the next one so far all of the wines I've gotten out of it have been fantastic. This one retails about $15. Um, I spent about 80 bucks getting all 30 bottles shipped to me. And like, I don't know how much the group on itself was, but like so far they've all been great. I've had two of them. I'm going to kind of do a light review of one of the other ones, probably just in passing on the next one episode. Uh, Cause okay. I finished that one first, but I didn't take enough notes on it, but we opened the California vignette that came with it. Yeah. Today. And I didn't chill it before I just had it on the porch and it's about 65 degrees here. So it's a little warmer than it should be. Um, mm -hmm. My wife said it smelled like sulfur and it tastes weird. And what's really funny about this one is it's like, it's all about like donations go to like trying to help homelessness. Cause like they're like saying like most people who are homeless say that like, you know, job security or job assistance would have helped them not be homeless. And I thought that was really interesting for this other vignette that I'm not actually reviewing this week, but I'll hopefully be able to review next week. Um, but yeah, like this, uh, 2016 sea monster collected blend, 13.8% alcohol by volume. It looks like it's supposed to be about 15 bucks. Um, like really good. Interesting. The artwork is pretty beautiful on the bottle. Um, it's got like a kind of like a Fibonacci sequence shell, um, spiral on it. And then like kind of blue in the background. And then like the sea monster, if I remember correctly, is like in silver. It's, it was really nice. And it was a screw cap one. So, oh, and then like the nice. whole cap set was orange and the bottle was like a darker, you know, like kind of like a lot of the white wines have like a darker green in the bottle yeah. sometimes. Um, 
this was that way. And then like the really kind of pop of color, the label, it's like a really well put together presentation. So hmm. and a good yeah, morning. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm always, I'm always interested in the, in like the bottle mm-hmm. or like label, label and bottle design yeah. science or whatever. It's, it's just, that it's interesting. Always nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and sometimes like really simple bottles are like, you're like, Whoa, this is really like a really nice bottle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Because actually, like Pina, for example, I thought was like a very nice bottle. That but it's is, very, very simple. It yeah, just that is the, a truly, truly beautiful bottle. Yeah, yeah. They just, whoever designed it did a really good job. And speaking of Pina, uh, I did not have Pina this week, but the, <laughs> bottle, the bottle that I had did remind me of that. It had a very simple design. Mm-hmm. And it's a design, though, you'll be familiar with because I have sent you or allegedly, oh, yes, or whatever have. the thing is, um, the not their Cab Sauv, but their mm. Claret, and we've actually had their Claret, I think, with uh, Mark Claire and with uh, Bird Arcus. Yeah, we did. Against, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've actually had that with a couple of different people, mm-hmm. and I really like it. I think it's just a really, yeah, it's a good wine. It's, it's, a solid it's not, it's wine. not a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's solid. It's not it's not crazy or anything like that. They also produce a Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. It happened to come up on Last Bottle Wine, and I also happen to have a credit because one of our fabulous listeners went to our website, tastinganarchy.com, and clicked on the link in the center and bought something from Last Bottle Wines, which gave us a nice kickback. And mm-hmm. they saved $10 on their first order. Yeah. Uh, so that that's nice. So I had a little bit of a credit. So I was like, eh, you know what? I'll, bu- I'll go ahead and buy these. I bought six bottles of it. A uh, little bit of a risk because I didn't know, but... Their other one was so good that I was like, I'll, I'll go, I'll go ahead and risk it. Uh, I'll go ahead and review it. I, I, my conclusion though, is that it is good. I would say it's, it's along the same caliber. It's just a good wine. Worth it's the not, risk. Good. It's, it's definitely worth the risk. Definitely worth the price. Not crazy. Not, not like anything unusual, not that complicated or anything like that, but just mm-hmm. a really solid Cabernet Sauvignon. So it's 2016 Donati family vineyards cabernet sauvignon the blend is 90 percent cab six percent petite verdot and four percent merlot uh it is 13.8 percent abv same as yours it retails for about 20 dollars a bottle uh, i think that it was 11 dollars a bottle on last bottle wines when i got these uh i would have to go back and look at my receipt but mm-hmm. i think that i think it was 11 so it was, it's a good deal not yeah, almost deal. almost 50 percent off i mean like 60 60- 60 bucks for what, like, not 60, but something, you know, with shipping, like that's not a, that's not a bad for six bottles, kind of like working yeah. out the math. Um, right. I, and like I 80, always, I, I'm, 80. That's good. Yeah. And I almost always order, uh, six bottles if I, if I can afford it, uh, because the, now granted the shipping is only 10 bucks, but if you order six, it's free shipping. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it ends up being, you know, sixty sixty-six $66 or whatever. Plus we had a, a $30 credit. So it ended up being like $33 for six bottles of wine, mm-hmm. which I think are, are good bottles of wine. And, uh, so, uh, the look, the color is a very dark burgundy. It's got that kind of, uh, not crimson, but it's like more like a brick, like a dark brick red around mm-hmm. the edge. Mm-hmm. Almost, uh, almost a burgundy. Yeah. Almost burgundy, but mm-hmm. like not quite. So, and then it's a smell, dark fruit flavor, what you kind of expect from, from a Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, taste dry, tannic, medium bodied, very, very smooth, which I would say that's the one standout feature of this is that it is incredibly smooth. Uh, 
a lot of dark fruit flavor, lots of that plum, blackberry, uh, ripe cherry, that kind of flavor. It does have a decent amount of acidity as well. I think overall it is just very well balanced. Uh, the the mouth texture is the most interesting part of it. I think it it's smooth tannins. It does have the tannins, uh, but it's a smooth the medium mouthfeel. It is it's not like overpowering or anything. This it's just to go kind of back to the the cliche or whatever that I've been saying, it's just a good example of a California Cabernet Sauvignon. It's not, mm-hmm. not complicated. It's very good. It'll go great. You know, I got that new griddle and mm-hmm. I plan on griddling food all the time. Now it'll go great <laughs> with pretty much any meat cooked on that. It, mm-hmm. it'll be outstanding. I think a, a good, like I got a skirt steak that I'm going to cook on it tomorrow. Um, that is just, you know, I just did meat tenderizer, salt, pepper on the skirt steak. Uh, sit it, it's going to sit in the fridge overnight and then we'll grill it up tomorrow evening well, and griddle it up <laughs> or griddle. Yeah. Griddle it up. Griddle hey, it up yeah, tomorrow evening. That, and, that sounds good. That sounds yeah. Really and good. and, uh, and I'll, I drink this with it. You know, I'm, I am, I'm trying to limit myself a little bit on my wine. So I'm going to have one glass of it tonight. I've already closed the bottle and it's not with me. So mm-hmm. I have the one glass. I'm going to savor it. And, uh, that's really all I have to say about it. it. It's it's good. Check it out if you if you can. It's it's actually at uh, Total Wine near me. So mm-hmm. if it, I would imagine it's probably widely available. But it's it's twenty bucks at Total Wine. So. Yeah, I was gonna say like it seems like the Ducati like you can find that like unlike a lot of the last bottle of wine stuff like it's a that's a little more out there mm-hmm. like or availability wise. Yeah, it does it does yeah. seem to be a little bit more of a common or not common, but a little bit more available. Now the Cabernet Sauvignon that they have at total wine and the Cabernet Sauvignon that last bottle sells are different. Uh, this one is a reserve mm-hmm. and the one that they sell at total wine is not a reserve. I don't know that. I don't know how much of a difference it is, but their their quote unquote retail price is the same. So hmm. yeah, I'm not sure. Not, not bad. Yep. All right. Uh, you want to get into articles or you want yeah. to talk about something else first? No, let's, uh, let's go into the articles and we'll kind of go into the article and we'll kind of go over the, uh, what I was doing most of the weekend or most of today. Um, cause I yeah. think it like kind of dovetails nicely with what's going on, um, overall in the world. Um, yeah. but I think this is the articles a good lead into kind of unexpected things. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, there's a, a pretty good article I thought on uh, Decanter by our boy Chris Mercer, who always has a very straightforward, unbiased or minimally biased uh, take on things. I think, and uh, this is from April second, twenty twenty. The title is "U.S. Wine Sales Jump, But Restaurant Trade Suffers," which you know mm-hmm. is to be expected. Well, the, the the wine jump is not so. Apparently, Nielsen, uh, which people who are older are familiar with it as like the TV uh, ratings people mm-hmm. uh, and people who are younger, maybe have gotten it in the mail where you fill out a survey and they give you like five bucks or something like that. And they call you back and then they give you 20 if you tell them more stuff and so on and so forth. Um, so that's uh, they also collect data on wine sales, but they don't collect the restaurant side of it. So it's just individual consumer wine sales. Mm-hmm. And they show that, uh, year on year, wine sales are up 66%. But one of the things that they pointed out was that it was a very large jump when the uh, quarantine started to happen. So, or the 
what are you, what are they calling it? Shelter in place? <laughs> uh, like, they call it a deal million is. different things. I just call it the quarantine. So yeah, the quarantine. So like when people basically they they said that's when the big jump is. So there's also an app uh, that delivers alcohol called uh, Drizzly. I've never actually heard of it, but apparently they do that. They've seen a three hundred percent spike uh, in recent weeks for wine sales and delivery. Uh, well, alcohol in general, not specifically wine, but uh, their, their specialty is wine, but they also deliver other types of alcohol. Uh, the thing is, though, that according to the article, this is not really something that uh, takes into account restaurant sales. So we don't know exactly how much the the consumption is up. It does seem to be safe to say that it is up overall. But mm-hmm. restaurant sales are so so far down because pretty much everything is closed. Uh, we don't really know. Now, there are a lot of states, uh, I think Virginia included, that are allowing to go orders of wine mm-hmm. and uh, like by the glass, which is interesting. I'm not really sure how they're serving that, but uh, <laughs> and then there was also a couple of places that are allowing people to order a glass of wine or liquor and drink it in their car with their food. Virginia is one of those. Is, like, is Virginia um, one? Okay. Yeah. Beer and like my understanding is beer and wine. Um, but the liquor like mixed drinks hadn't been decided the last I saw anything about it. Hmm. Well, in addition, though, another thing to further complicate these statistics is that uh, since March 1st, the alcohol industry has lost about 50% of, oh, I'm sorry, that's the restaurant industry, has lost about 50% of its operators, Mm -hmm. which I don't know what that means exactly. So I would imagine operators would be like regular staff. No, operators, people who operate a restaurant. Okay, but not like management and stuff, or is that no, what no, you no. Think like, that would so, be including of it? Like, if I own three restaurants, I operate three restaurants, but like you wouldn't necessarily count the managers. So if I go down, that's 50, you know, I think that's how okay. they mean it. Got that, it. Okay, that's how so, I would un- interpret that. Yeah. And, and then also, as we knew um, from last week, we discussed this a little bit is that uh, there's been significant layoffs in wineries and in breweries. So there, there's some job losses in that as well. Despite sales being up, the demand, it may be kind of like a, what, what do they call it? Like a flash in the pan is mm-hmm. that people are like, oh crap, I got to stock up because I'm not going to be able to go out. Um, but there's not a, there's, there's more of a existing supply demand, but not a create new supply demand. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I would be curious to see like, what is Total Wine's orders look like? Are they ordering more stuff or are they just trying to clear out what they have currently? Yeah, that'd and, be, that's a good question. Cause like, I think one of the things is there are like, there's a lot of people who don't have jobs. It, you know, there's a lot of people who applied for like unemployment, but like both you and I are fully employed. Right. Exactly. You know, like my wife, it, you know, a lot of people are. So I think we're seeing is like, a lot of people who would have gone out to eat. It's like uh, Tom Woods has kind of been um, like posting on his Twitter, like, you know, the old man can cook if he has to, but he'd much rather have gotten the steak somewhere else. And it's kind of like you wanting to go out for your birthday. Yeah, exactly. Which is upcoming. So like, you know, there's a lot of people who are probably, you know, like, okay, like I'm not going to go spend $70 on a dinner and, but I can get $70 worth of alcohol. So right, I, yeah. I think there might be an increase, but like, I think that's one of the things is a lot of those restaurants, like most of their sales was made on in alcohol. And so a lot of them, like they can't survive on takeout orders. So people are just kind of closing shop. But I also think it's like, 
we've kind of talked about this before where I don't think there's an, like, I think there's just too much debt in the industry. Like, cause you know, like it's what, like most restaurants fail within five years and most restaurants take like three years to become actually profitable. So yeah. it's like, I, I think it's just kind of one of those things where like you're seeing people who can jump out of the industry basically are leaving. And right. You know, there are some people who are going to stick in whether they should or not. And there are other people who are just good operators who are like, yeah, we have the cash to, to float this. Well, you know, that, that's actually, that's interesting that you bring that up too, because it is a very, it's a very heavily debt laden industry. And it is, uh, I was reading about this actually this week was like, uh, companies like, um, Olive Garden, for example, which is owned by General Mills and it is, is it actually but the owned way- by General Mills. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Okay. Uh, it's it. Well, actually, the company that owns Olive Garden is owned by General Mills. Okay. So, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but but what's funny about it is what the article I was reading about it was that a lot of these mega corporations, in order to they, they do these acquisitions and they expand these like restaurants and things like that very quickly and then just load them up with debt, uh, because they do have a cash flow and all that sort of stuff. And the idea, though, is that they can leverage these branches of their of their company and load it up with debt. And if it becomes troublesome, they just bankrupt it and and sell it off or whatever. But they they can use that debt in other areas of their uh, their other mass holdings. Like General Mills owns like ungodly amounts of stuff. It's crazy. Like when you go look at what they own, mm-hmm. they're the parent company of like hundreds of other companies. Yeah, and uh. And actually, the reason I was reading about this was from that podcast I was telling you about that Carr turned me on to called Strong Towns. Mm-hmm. And uh, also that article, uh, Things Have Changed, that I was reading. And then also on the um, uh, Death to Tyrants podcast, they, he, he was on the the German guy. I can't remember. I think Kunstner is his last name. and uh, But he was talking about this where the, the structure of the U.S. economy right now is like what you were saying is that it is a very heavily debt laden and restaurants too. And so what it ends up doing is putting small players going into these massive amounts of debt as well in order to try to compete with Olive Garden, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it ends up making just it's a perpetual debt loading and the, it's not a sustainable model overall. It's sustainable as long as the currency is inflating so that your debt ends up being in real terms less than when you took it on. Uh, but when, when the, there's no activity or anything, you can't service the debt and all that sort of stuff. It really kind of grinds the gears of the current structure to a halt. And then also things like Olive Gardens and Applebee's and all that sort of stuff heavily depend on the debt laden infrastructure provided by state, local, and federal government, the interstate highway system, the local highway systems, or the state highway systems, uh, and all that sort of stuff is that there are olive gardens all over, but they're almost always off an exit of the freeway. Mm -hmm. And it's because people are familiar with those. They always know what to get and that sort of stuff. And, but that, that's kind of interesting too, is that all of these things are shutting down and um, like olive garden has had to permanently close a whole bunch of branches. That's one of the things I was reading is that they're, they're not bankrupt, but they're like, they're starting to look at bankruptcy as an option for making their parent company uh, a little bit more solvent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and we're going to be seeing that probably with a lot of these chains, you know, Ruby, you know, uh, Ruby Tuesdays, TGI Fridays, like places like that, where it's just these massive chains that are owned by a parent company that are owned by a parent company that are owned by a parent company. Yeah. And they just, they have this, uh, this huge accumulation of debt on them that they use to expand very quickly and, and corner the market in a lot of ways. But 
uh, overall, they, they really never empty it off. They, they, they just carry it forever. And, yeah. uh, but kind of to get back to the article, uh, this trend though of, of alcohol sales is not unique to the United States. They, they also, uh, went over some numbers that are in the UK, uh, in the UK, they also have a lot of troubling restaurant numbers. So it, according to, uh, an analyst group CGA, it said restaurant sales were down by 75% the week of uh, March 22nd and bar sales were down 88%. But despite that individual alcohol sales were up by, uh, it doesn't say the percentage, but the, oh, up by, uh, 58%. So they're also seeing a pretty big increase of individual like consumer wine and alcohol sales or direct to consumer, I guess, or maybe that's not direct to consumer, but not through the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that does seem to be though they're indicating kind of the same thing is that this may be what you were talking about, which is they're not, they're not going out and buying a $70 meal with, you know, and part of that $70 being a glass of wine, they're buying a $70 bottle of wine and getting, you know, Lebanese takeout from down the street, which is what we have here. Yeah. And that's what I like a lot. So, um, or like two bottles of wine. Cause I like, you know, and this, I think this is yeah. where it transitions into like kind of what, like what I did this weekend or did today, like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we cook on Sundays usually, and we generally have enough to last us through the entire week, but at least once a week, we would usually go out to eat. Um, so that's my wife, my daughter and I, and, but like now it's like our favorite Chinese place that also does sushi and they do pretty good sushi. So we would normally like do a Chinese night or something like that. Or we'd go to Jesse's, uh, taqueria, Mexicans. Yeah. Mexican food or like, you know, there's only three or four restaurants we would go to, but like now it's kind of like because of the industry I'm in. So it's kind of like, do we go to those type of restaurants or do we like go to the ones that we know? So like, you know, today we were planning to make biscuits and gravy again, cause we had already made the biscuits from last weekend, just needed to make mm-hmm. more gravy. But we had had this plan since we moved in here to bake raised beds in our backyard. So oh, of yeah. course, you know, we go down to the home Depot and they're doing the social distancing thing, but like the line was super short and like everybody okay. inside was super friendly. So, oh, good. you know, you end up getting like six, eight foot boards, two of which have been cut that we cut down to four feet. And then basically what we did is we took, you know, a four foot side or an eight foot side and eight foot side and put two, um, you know, at one, one four foot section at one end, one four foot section at the other end. And then we used rebar to hold them up. And the idea is the wood, the dirt that you put inside will push against the rebar, which pushes against the wood, which pushes against the rebar. And then if once like it, it, once the wood fails, you know, several, several years down the road, you can simply pull the rebar out, slap a new wood side in. Cause it's like two and a half by 12. They always have it. And then right. just put the rebar back in and you've replaced the side and you're good to go again. So, cool. you know, and then we got eight bags of dirt. So the bags of dirt are like 40 pounds each. So is what they're listed as being. So, you know, cause I can't do math anymore. So eight times 40, there's 320 pounds worth of dirt in the back of the, the CRV that we have. So, right. and then we had the, you know, the, wood on top and then we had four boards next to my daughter in her car seat you know we just really loaded the car and drove back but we were running late so we went to taco bell but Mm. you know so we 
we've kind of cut down significantly. And, you know, like me at work, I used to go out to eat with lunch a lot, uh, just to get out of the office. But I've been not only for weight loss purposes, but like just in general, enjoying the stuff I bring for lunch more frequently. So I've been staying in and then my, at the office, we're basically ordering lunch every Friday now where we used to only do it for special occasions. So oh, okay. now we're like specifically ordering, yeah. um, cause you know, in the nature, I won't say why we're ordering, but you know what I mean? Like you specifically know. So, right. um, but yeah, we're, yeah. we're ordering from ordering a lot, which is fine. So like, I'm just not going out to eat as much. So like, I kind of see how that is, but part of the thing that like we're putting in these raised beds because one, we want to introduce our daughter to growing things to try to get her to like vegetables earlier in life. Okay. But this is is one of those things that like at some point America fell away from this and I'm not saying it's a bad thing and I'm not saying it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, We fell away from like growing stuff to just supplement like not only your diet, but like your, your wallet, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't take much to take like a potted, like a potted plant thing and get a tomato plant and just grow one tomato plant. Most humans can do that. And most Americans eat tomatoes. Like there, you know, I'm sure there are some who are allergic to many that don't like it, but like you can do that with like bell peppers. You can do that with a bunch of different stuff. And like, you know, it's fun. Yeah. And think about like, you know, think about when you were like doing the tilapia and growing stuff. Oh yeah. But that was a little more intense. I think than like most Americans are ready for. (laughs) Correct. But you were doing this whole aquaponics thing. Yeah. But even when you kind of let that go, you were still trying to grow grapevines and stuff like that. But you know, how long has it been since you tried to grow something? And it's like, yeah, you know, well, yeah, because I was living in an apartment for a long time. Which, yeah, now granted, I could have just put something on the balcony. I well, you did, and, and, and we've <laughs> we've always did. done herbs. Yeah, oh, that's well, yeah, I did, and then they end up dying. But yeah, but like uh, that's kind of the thing that yeah. you know most Americans have kind of let fall by the wayside is better understanding what they could do. I think, and like mm-hmm. having some level of self-sufficiency and like, this isn't some sort of like, Hey, you should become a prepper sort of thing. But you know, we like, I'm starting, you know, I do my own kapucha now, um, mainly because the one I really liked kind of had a uh, kiwi juice. And I think I'm mildly allergic to kiwi. So I kind of always felt a little weird afterwards, but like, never like I do when I eat kiwi. So I don't know if it was actually a problem, but you know, like I, I got, I'm actually mate, like actually thinks kombucha is disgusting most of the time. And this last one, she actually really liked, but oh, good. it wasn't nasty kind of the way I like it where it's like super sour and like fermented, you know, like I like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the, like it's fermented tea, not it's sweet and partially fermented. So I'm trying to let this right. one go a little longer, but that's where, you know, we spent, we spent probably $400 to make four and a half by eight foot beds, two of them. And we, I ended up having to drag my neighbor out in his truck to go back to home Depot to get 24 more bags of this dirt. So like we ended up getting, you know, 320 plus 960. So like almost three, almost 1300 pounds worth of dirt. So like I'm beat because <laughs> I carried, yeah. I carried at least half of it in some capacity, maybe not the entire like distance from like 
the shelf where it was at Home Depot to the car to the like house to where we dropped it off. But like I carried at least half of it in one form or another of that entire journey. So, you know, that's a lot of weight to carry around. And then, you know, just generally doing stuff all day. And like I had the glass of sea monster, I had the glass of the vignette, and then I made a root beer float and I put like some Godiva, like chocolate core in it, which was really good. (laughs) And I had a yingling. So like I've had not like a huge amount of beer, but like a lot about a lot of water, but like, and this isn't like America is too consumerist. It's people often look for a handout from the government when like, you know, you think about, think back to like the victory gardens. And that's one of the things like you don't see anybody in this current government saying like, Hey, we understand everybody's stuck inside, but when you go to the grocery store, a lot of them have, you know, little tomato plants you could buy, you know, those sort of things where it's like trying to talk people into trying to be more self-sufficient to try to lessen, you know, like why aren't old people, more old people growing their own food? Like it keeps, helps them keep mentally satisfied. If their grandkids come visit, it's something to help the grandkids can help out with. It's a, you know, it helps with their dexterity. They don't have to bend down because they could get the potted plants, you know, where they don't have to bend down as far. Like Americans just aren't really like most Americans don't know how to take care of themselves. And I'm not saying that like, it's a bad thing because one of the things that you and I have always talked about is like, you know, I change the oil on the cars and you're kind of like, I have better things to do and, you know, things that could earn you more money. But in a time where, you know, most Americans are complaining like $15 isn't enough. It's like, okay, or they need $15 an hour. It's like, well, you know, you could lower that burden by growing some of your own food or mending your own clothes. And, you know, these sort of things where you could become more self-sufficient. Well, you know, that kind of actually, it it sort of plays with a point that like uh, Tom Woods brings up occasionally is like, you know, the show, the honeymooners. Uh, Yes. Yeah, so he he talks about that a little bit. He says like when that when that show was made, that was that was considered a middle class family. Mm-hmm. And he says, and look look at what they had. They they shared a telephone with their neighbors. Uh, I think actually they might have shared a bathroom with their neighbors too. And uh, one bedroom apartment, uh, no TV. They had a radio, uh, and, and he says you know, and and they and they lived off of one income. They, the the main character guy was, I think, a bus driver or maybe a cabbie. I think yeah, a bus I think driver. Yeah, he was a bus driver. Yeah, and so and that was considered a middle class family back then. And I think they, I think Tom Wood says they even had an episode where like uh, the ice is changed out of the ice box by a, a guy who brings them ice. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, you know, back then that was middle class. And he says you could still live that way on one income for like thirty thousand dollars a year, probably less. And and he says, but that's not how people want to live, is that what our expectation of middle class has increased. So because of prosperity in the country. So he says, like people who complain a lot about, oh, well, we you can't survive off of one income or anything like that. He goes, Well, no, of course you can. It's just that we have an expectation that doesn't match what the expectation of, you know, however long ago the honeymooners was, 60, 70 years ago, whenever that show came out. Um, and and he says he's, you know, that's kind of the that's sort of the, I guess, juxtaposition or whatever is that people do, they fight for, you know, 15 or whatever. They need a living wage or whatever f- to live the way that they think is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it may, it may be, I mean, that may be a great desire or whatever, but there's consequences to that. 
and people don't always take that in consideration is that it, you know, fifteen $15 is living, but also $5 is living if you want to live a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that you're not going to be starving in the street at $5 an hour, but yeah. now you are going to be working a ton and you're not going to be living very well. And you may have to have three or four roommates or something like that, but uh, depending on where you live, but there's, you know, that sort of thing. And so I think that's, I think that's interesting, but yeah, I think you're right though, too, is that like, that is, um, and you know, in Ukraine where my wife is from, they, they have a lot of people have gardens as well yeah, the, that are outside of the city. Yeah. Like the dachas. Um, and like yeah. in Germany, they have those too. Like they're, I forget what they're like. It's like freedom plots. I forget what it translates to in German, but like they're, you know, and these are like things that people sign up. Like the Dutch system is a little different than the one in Germany, but like, you know, these towns have these like municipal plots basically. And you sign up like years in advance. Like there's a, there's an episode of Bob's burgers where he like gets on like some garden collective cause he wants to try to grow vegetables and stuff. And he's so excited to do it. But like, his family has like everybody else in his family has like a vendetta against the person who runs it or something like that. Hmm. And he's just kind of like, he wants to grow vegetables, but like, that's the thing that kind of is like so baffling to me and having done it for, you know, 30 plus years of my life. Like my parents used to have a big garden when we were like little, little, like at their first house, the one that was like the Betsy Ross house, they oh, always yeah. had a garden there. And then like my parents have just recently put a garden in again. And it's like, you know, there we have, and this isn't like a death to the lawn or something like that sort of like thought process, but like no one seems to go out of their way to try to like lessen their, their financial need in some way. And like try to, you know, improve their situation through thriftiness. Like my neighbors like flip and upscale stuff all the time. And they're oh, one of upcycle? the cycle. Yeah. Upcycle. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, they buy mid mid century modern furniture from like the, um, you know, you pick a place like thrift store or something like that. And they, they legitimately know what they're doing and have learned how to do it of like upcycling the stuff and, you know, re redoing the finish, repairing, you know, tears in the veneer or whatever, and then like selling it for a pretty good profit. But like, and they've put in a garden and, you know, he's in the military. So like he's got like, and his wife doesn't work and they've got three young kids. So, you know, they've got a limited income, but like they do all this stuff to try to like pad out that income. And, yeah, you know, it's like with you, you know, with your family growing up, like, you know, I'm sure your grandmother like grew vegetables for a long time when she was younger. Wow. And we then, always had a garden when yeah. I was growing up. Yeah. And, you know, uh, but like, I mean, it varied in size from year to year, but yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, you know, that, you know, for a long time, I'm sure that really helped with the family budget once the food started coming in, because you can make pretty good meals out of those things and like really pat out like what tomatoes yeah. cost and stuff. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I I don't like, we didn't, we never had very good soil where we lived, but uh, mm. I mean, I we used to, we had a grapevine in the backyard and we would let it raisin turn into raisins. And then we would, we would use those. Like if we were hungry and we don't want to snack, mom would just be like, well, go out and pick some raisins. Mm-hmm. We just got and eat raisins off of the bush. And that yeah. was our snack Or actually we probably shouldn't have eaten these cause they were, they probably aren't very good for us, but uh, we used to eat crab apples all the time. Uh, and what I understand they're not, not as bad. That's what the cider apples are usually. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. We used to just go out there and pick those and eat them. They were super sour, but mm-hmm. like we would just eat them and went and throw them at each other. That was the other thing. So, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we had gardens of varying sizes when, 
when my mom was little, they had a really big garden actually. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, we never had one that big. I think like, I think of like all the kids in the family, like, I had the biggest garden once I moved out at the Betsy Ross house and, mm-hmm. and that was big. Like I had that entire side was garden and then I had all the tilapia inside and then we had the grapevines and the raspberry bush that never really turned into anything. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I mean the raspberry bush, I think it died pretty quickly actually, but, mm-hmm. uh, but although speaking of growing things, I put in a fig tree today. Yeah. So, uh, Texas blue dry, Texas blue giant ever bearing fig tree. Hmm. So, uh, it is hermaphroditic, so it will pollinate itself and produce fruit. And it doesn't need and, the wasp to eat and die in it. Nope. Nope. Mm. Uh, and, uh, it will just produce figs all year long. It's already got two little figs on it. They shipped it with two figs on it. So oh, nice. Um, but yeah, but then I did kind of a much smaller scale story of what you did, which was, uh, go down to the home Depot, wait in line to get inside. I bought some, uh, tree soil and some, ver- uh, uh, perlite and some vermiculite and then, uh, mix those together, dug a big hole, planted the tree. And now, uh, just wait and have tons of figs, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From uh, what like- I understand, the, like these Texas everbearing figs, they, the figs are huge for one. And then they just, they produce figs all year long and they're, uh, they're good figs. They, they taste good. And, uh, the tree itself will just grow ridiculously big if you don't keep pruning it back. Hmm. But the other cool thing about it is that you can take clippings and clone them very easily too. So mm-hmm. if I wanted to put more fig trees in, I could. You suddenly have a fig orchard in your backyard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to tear out a whole bunch of concrete because there's only like one spot in the backyard that doesn't have concrete, mm-hmm. which is, is bizarre to me. Cause like, you know, I have all that fake grass everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, underneath all the fake grass is concrete oh so like who, whoever lived here i guess or when the house was built maybe they just all just they just decided they didn't want any backyard they just wanted a big gigantic patio and that's what's there that is bizarre <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it is weird like I, i'll probably end up the, like the raised part there's like a raised area in the backyard i'm going to probably end up tearing all that concrete out mm-hmm. and and making that um well, exactly what you're talking about, putting in plants. You know, I, I've always loved growing stuff, and I'm actually pretty good at it. And uh, I've got a green thumb, as they say. As I was going to say, except for when it comes to raspberries. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that raspberry tree. But, well, raspberries are tricky, anyways. But oh um, yeah, that's that was like that wasn't a real statement. I was just more. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, <laughs> but, so, but like you know, it's kind of one of those things where like my vacuum died, and my first response was to get a new one, and not right. like. But then I thought about like, could I, could I fix it? You know, like when electronics kind of give you that like smoky smell. Yeah. That's kind of the smell the vacuum had. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this isn't worth messing with. Right. But I'm also like, had been thinking about getting a different vacuum anyway, because I I recognized the deficiencies of the Dyson that I had. Um, Yeah. And I wanted something that was more of the canister type so I could get the head under like all the all the stuff so I could more thoroughly vacuum like more frequently instead of having to move everything, actually be able to get under it. Um, right. So thinking about still trying to think about which one to get and like how to do it in a logical way. Cause I was like, I've got a, like a hundred dollar gift card, but I can't use the hundred dollar gift card. Cause like most websites don't accept a split payment when it's on two credit cards. So I was like, okay, I could go to Home Depot and buy a hundred dollar, like buy a gift card for it. Cause like Home Depot has the vacuum I want and Walmart both for the same price. 
and the seller has it like the the manufacturer has it for you know discounted from what they normally sell it for but amazon's like the one of the few times where it's like two hundred dollars or more but like there's only one seller but like walmart hsn like there's a whole bunch of different people have it like cheap and i was like okay this is well rated. Hmm. <laughs> Let me check this out. Cause apparently there's a guy on Amazon who or not Amazon, but on Reddit, who used to be a vacuum repair guy. And he recommended these, this brand that's owned by like, as we were saying earlier, you know, a company that owns multiple brands, there's like okay. simplicity. And then there's Rika and Rika is the brand that he really likes, but simplicity is like their sister brand and it's supposed to be still pretty good. So interesting. And you okay. know, it's a hot pink vacuum. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like the Jill canister vacuum. And I'm like, where's the Jack canister vacuum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool. I always I, like the like, brightly colored items. Yeah. It's like, I do all the vacuuming in the house. Like, but you know, that's also something we looked into. Like one of our neighbors is a maid. Um, yeah. Or she offers maid services. And like, because of the shutdown, there's a lot of people who are home and just kind of doing their own cleaning. And she kind of doesn't want people to be there when she cleans. It's kind of like, hey, when you're out, I'll come and clean. And, you know, so that way I guess she can swear and do whatever she wants to do. Um, right. Yeah. Be loud and goofy because she's loud and goofy and just a lot of fun as a neighbor. And like, you know, I looked her up on her website and her prices were very reasonable in my opinion. And we've been talking about getting a maid service forever because I hate doing it. And yeah, so I was like, well, now's the time. And Ashley kind of looked at me like, ah, this is the hurdle. Like she's kind of doesn't, you know, doesn't want somebody in the house looking at all the stuff, I guess, or just, you know, just doesn't want somebody in the house. And I was like, I can understand that. Um, right. But I hate cleaning the house. <laughs> so yeah. well, we, we got, we had a maid service once so far and, uh, I wouldn't say it's not worth it because it is. I think I, I think it is worth it, but it's not. It's not as clean as I expected. Yeah, I expected it to be like really clean, but there was like a lot of stuff where I was like, I wouldn't miss these items, and I'm not a very good cleaner. Yeah, and so I don't know, but it may also be that like they just don't they don't care that much because it's not their house. Yeah, well, I think it's one of those. I think there's two things. Like I think like anything, somebody's got to learn how to do it like as a mm-hmm. job. So there, yeah. could, you know, some people who are, um, you know, just starting their, you know, like just switching into it and, and stuff like that. But it's also like, you know, like when you, you do something so often, you know how to do it correctly. Um, the same thing goes for like just cleaning your own house. It's like, Oh wait, I forgot this last time. Cause you just, you know, when you first go into a new place, it's like, you're just overwhelmed with the stuff. So right, it could yeah. be one of those situations where it's like, yeah, there may have been some unreasonable things missed, but like if the person came back, they may not have missed it again. You know, like yeah, yeah, maybe miss well, something else. I don't, I don't, but, I don't know if that person will come again, but mm-hmm. uh, Victoria subscribed to something, so I think we're going to be having like twice a month somebody come in and and not not like super clean, but do the basics. So like we have all hard floors throughout the house, mm-hmm. and. um which I don't know if it's called hardwood floor. I don't think they're real hardwood floors. I think they're like, what do you call it? Laminate? Yeah. Or like, not laminate. Is it laminate? Well, there's it's like there's engineered hardwood, which is wood. And then there's laminate, which is not wood. I think it's wood, but I think it's like, they're more like tiles, but they're, and like, it's like particle board under them. But then the veneer on the outs on the top of it is like a wood veneer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what it's called. But anyways, it's, it's you can mop it. So, um, what we would prefer is that, is that they come and they, and they do all of that so that we don't have to do it. 
and then the with the dogs, you know, the dogs shed, so there's hair everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. And then do all of like the dusting and you know, clean the windows, that sort of stuff, and uh clean the kitchen and the bathrooms. Like that's kind of what we want. We don't really expect somebody to clean up like pick up our dirty clothes and that kind of stuff. Like what well, we can do all that. We just don't really want to do the other types of cleaning. Mm-hmm. So uh and and I think for the price that they signed up for that it's reasonable and it saves us a lot of time and, and you know, both Victoria and I make pretty decent money. I can, I, if like, if I was going to spend four hours on the weekend cleaning, I could spend that four hours doing actual work for the company I work for mm-hmm. and making a lot more money than it would cost to pay this lady to come and do it. So, yeah, I think, I think cleaning is like one of those skills that like, if you pick it up well enough, yeah, you can do it very easily in less time over more days. So like, yeah, when you get home, if you do the vacuuming one day and then you do one bathroom, the next, and then you do one bathroom, the next, you end up spending a lot less time. And that's just one of those things that like, I've been trying to work on, um, doing, doing that as well. But yeah, I, I totally right. agree. Yeah. I think, th- you know, it's, I think it's worth it, but, uh, I don't know how we got onto that topic, but well, it's, it's we, part of like doing did. stuff, for you, <laughs> doing things for yourself. Cause like, I think that's the other thing is like in a situation where like inflation is happening and like inflation is happening because the government is manipulating the currency and things like that. It makes doing some things for yourself make less sense at times because of the savings you realize is less each time. Right. You know, like you're, you're seeing less of the savings or less of a return on your investment of learning how to do these skills. So it's better to try to like, keep trying to find a a better job or something like that, or more earn more income from your taxable job than learn how to be like self-sufficient because it's rare that you're going to come across and like say financially free yourself. Cause like if you financially free yourself and then you half your food intake costs, then you're way better off. Right. Whereas that makes sense. If you're, you know, if like inflation's 40%, like it, you know, you might have to just be, you're searching so much for extra money. Like I, I'm not explaining it very well, but that's kind of the way it seems to me. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, but all right, that's, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. Uh, you got anything you want to plug besides our normal plugs? Yeah. Um, so, I will plug uh, uh, Peaceful Treason. Um, I was listening to their last two episodes um, over the weekend, the one they recorded right before they were on with us, and then the one uh, before that. Um, so one of the things I will point out to Will and uh, Jared, you were, they were talking about like life is suffering. That's like samsara. That's like a big Buddhist thing because <laughs> they couldn't remember what it was from. <laughs> so that's what it's from, guys. Um, I'm sure they had a bunch of people tell them that. Um, but you know, check them out. Peaceful Trees, and they're pretty much on like all the streaming platforms, so you can always find them. Um, great show, fun guys. They're on our show as often as we can get them on. It's always fun. Um, and then, you know, you can follow us tastinganarchy.com, tastinganarchy or tastinganarchy on Twitter. You can send us an email at tastinganarchy at gmail.com. There's is tasting anarchy, the Reddit site. So we're on Reddit as well. Oh, that's right. Um, yep. I'm a little more active on Reddit. Like I think than you are, but I don't think either of us would like be traditionally considered active. Um, you could also follow Childerberg or Childerberg on Twitter. Uh, Childerberg is the annual or well, if we can do it annual, um, meeting of libertarians in Texas. Um, 
it's currently scheduled through the 23rd through the 26th. Uh, we are monitoring the situation as one would say. Um, and, uh, if when we have more stuff to announce on that, we will. All right. Well, that sounds good to me. And yeah. from us at Tasting Anarchy, night. stay free. Stay free. Knock down windows and tan down door. Drinking half gowns and calling for more. Drinking wine, sport, you to drink wine. Wine, sport, you to drink wine. Wine, sport, you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slaw. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling for the American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Pass 